Episode 103 of the Sleeper and the Bust podcast brought to you by Fangraphs.com. With only three days left before the regular season starts, we're going to go over the fifth starter jobs down down the league. A lot of these are settled, but some of these are unsettled. And some of these uh, staffs have a bunch of number five pitchers as their entire staff. And we'll get into that. But before we go any further, you know what's going on, man. Uh, I'm doing good. This is a, a strange episode of Sleeper in the Bus. This is uh, the the sleeper part of uh, part of the name is is more in effect today. This is probably the latest we've ever recorded. Yes. And uh, so cut uh, cut Colette some slack. It, it is uh, basically bedtime for him. But um, I, I'm still uh, going strong here on the West Coast. Yeah, I wish I was on West Coast time, but uh, it's it's been a it's been a productive day. I've done podcast. I've done. Uh, Google Hangouts today. I have uh, done some writing. I have some more writing to do. So just going all throughout it. So let's go in. Let's dive right into it, though. At the uh, at the top, let's go with the Tigers. And luckily, this is a good situation. This situation has been settled for quite some time. We have nothing to worry about here. It's, it's essentially Drew Smiley or Rick Porcello, depending on how they're going to shuffle the rotation. But you don't have any concerns about either of these guys, right? Well, I mean, the only thing I've got a concern about is Drew Smiley's innings. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't pencil him in for 200. He's not a rookie in that you you need to protect his arms so much, but you can't really jump from 70 to 200. So I do think that the sixth starter there will matter. Uh, and also, I'm a little, I've been on record as worrying a little bit of Anibal Sanchez's shoulder. So uh, the thing that's kind of crazy is they traded their sixth starter, uh, Jose Alvarez, I forget what they got back. Um, was that for Lombardozzi or no? Lombardozzi was straight up uh, was the uh, Alex Gonzalez deal. All right. Uh, well, I know they traded Jose Alvarez, and I'm not sure what they got back. And uh, that means that it, of all people, Robbie Ray is probably their sixth starter. Um, so we're gonna see what the rookie that they traded Fister for can do. Um, so. I mean, I, I think that'll they'll probably find a way. Maybe they'll they'll limit Drew Smiley to um, th- they'll do the kind of the the, um, the the plan where you you just give a guy five innings mm-hmm. and then you pull him early and you keep his innings down that way, or maybe they give him the phantom two week vacation around the All Star break um, where they just limit his innings that way because they're going to need him near the end of the season. Yeah, they could potentially skip some starts, you know, when they don't need a fifth starter, skip him, do stuff like that. I could tell you in my in a home league, I had both Smiley and Porcello with the same contract. I can only keep one of them. I ended up keeping Porcello because of the innings limit. In a, in a 13 team mixed league, I, I don't want a guy that may be gone after 150, 160 innings. I'll go ahead and go with Porcello even though I like Smiley's skills a, a tad more. It, that's the innings thing is something I couldn't get over. You mentioned uh, Anibal Sanchez. I'll be referring to some Toutworth prices uh, throughout this because that was last weekend. Uh, he went $14. And I think if that shoulder was 100% healthy, he would have gone for a little more than that because if you look from a skills perspective, you know he's better than Homer Bailey and he went two fewer dollars than him. Uh, so that's just one of the things to look at there because we really don't know anything else about that shoulder at this point. With Yeah, I love I love. I love his stuff in that he's mm-hmm. got four legit pitches and he's got good control and his grounders and strikeouts and good control. And I mean, it's everything you want, but as a labrum survivor with the, 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 with the fact that he went on the, on the DL last year, plus the fact that he's now suffering it, he's definitely down on my boards. Yeah, agreed. Let's go move over to Boston, and uh, they have my favorite fifth starter in baseball, and that's Clay Buckholz. That's how they're setting up the rotation. Buckholz is actually a five for them, the way uh, they have slotted the rotation to start the season. I have uh, long been a fan of Buckholz. It's always been a running joke between Paul Spore and I because he just started calling him my boyfriend at one point. And, uh, <laughs> of course, I own Buckholz and Tout Wars this year, but I, I'm, I'm a fan there. He doesn't have a, an innings limit. 
on paper, but it seems like he has one in workload because every year something happens to him and he just doesn't work deep into the season. Uh, and, you know, you and I have said it repeatedly here that best uh, indicator of an injury is a previous one, and Lord knows Buckholes has had something go wrong every year. Yeah, and it's an interesting thing, and it's something I've said recently. If The, the more shallow your league is, the more this matters. So mm-hmm. when you're looking at Clay Buckholes in a 12-teamer, he actually becomes one of the better names we'll talk about today in terms of fifth starters because he is good when he's in, and then he goes on the DL when he's, when he's not. Just to bring up a random name, R.A. Dickey is not a fifth starter, but when R.A. Dickey is hurt, he throws a knuckleball, so he stays in there, and he pitches anyway. He just pitches terribly. So, <laughs> yes. so that's actually harder to deal with, I think, because as an owner, you're like, oh, but he's pitching, you know, and oh, but he says his shoulder hurts or his elbow hurts or whatever. You know, you don't know how to deal with that, whereas with Clay, he's pitching well or he's out. And that's actually sort of easier to deal with. You put him on the DL, and you go to the waiver wire, which I, I always love going to the waiver wire. So, in a way, I like Clay as one of the better names we'll talk about today for mixed leagues. Yeah, he definitely is one of the better ones. Let's look, uh, if we go to the Yankees, we actually have a familiar name that's in the fifth spot, and Michael Pineda. He's impressed enough during spring training. Uh, if you watch his games, the slider looks really good. The fastball, velocity, and command still aren't where he was pre-injury, but the slider looks good. And, and I've seen him pitch two games, and I've been impressed. I would have gone in on him and tout wars the price was a little more than I could have, that I wanted to pay at the time. But I figured if he was going to go $5 or less, I would have been in on him. I think he went 6 or 7 uh, in there. But your thoughts on Pinedo? Well, did you see a velocity reading on him? Uh, 91 was the uh, 90, I'm sorry, 92 was the har- hardest I've seen. Uh I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm out on him. I can't, I can't see the problem is that 91, then you're, you're just relying on command because 91 fastball with a slider and the changeup is bad and he's got good command. I mean, it could turn out to be Justin Masterson, you know, in good years, Justin Masterson's great, but there's just too many other people, you know, there's too many Nate Eovaldi's and, and the like, and in, you know, Pineda used to be Nate Ivaldi, and then he had all this fastball, this great slider, no changeup. But now he's 91, and he's in New York, and with that short porch, uh, I, I just put me down as being very skeptical. I mean, uh, I, I sort of like David Phelps maybe a little bit more than some, and um, I just I feel like that'll be a bit of a revolving door for them. Speaking of velocity, I did watch CC Sabathia start today. Uh, this is. March 27th, watched it on MLB TV, didn't didn't break 90. Hit 89 three times that I saw, but didn't hit 90. So if we're, And he was sitting comfortably 86, 87. I'd say, you know, three or four pitches at 88, three pitches by my count at 89. And that's where he's at right now. So if you were hoping for 90-plus miles an hour with him coming out of spring, it's not there. Not yet. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, in the regular season. Because last year he showed a little bit of velocity addition as he got into the season. But right now it's still not there. Uh, let's move and, on. And to, actually, go ahead. You know, even, even that velocity addition was a little bit in line with what you see. in you know Mike Fast did a great piece a long time ago mm-hmm. that, um, that the velocity peaks in August. And the difference between April and August, and actually the difference between March and August is about a, a mile an hour and a half. So if you say that CC is 87 now, is sitting 87 right now, and oh, well, don't worry about it. You know he'll gain more as spring goes on, and and you know velocity's peak in August. Okay, he might peak at 89. You know, and that's just so far gone from the the CC that we know right. that it's just really hard to compare him to what he used to be. Sure, he still has a good slider and a good changeup. Sure, he still has a good sinker. But is all this going to work at 87 instead of 94 is his his career average if you look at it as a, as a whole. So Yes, and he went $7 in Toutwars. That, that was the same price that Clay Buckholz went for. So we're talking about Buckholz, who arguably has better skills, but only works 150, 160 innings, for Sabathia, who's you know traditionally pushes over 200. And that's where those two guys sit. On the, on the starting pitcher depth chart, on fan graphs, we have the Rangers as the fourth best staff with 14.6 wins above replacement, 
but I think it's because we have 14.6 pitchers listed for him at this point. <laughs> it is ridiculous what they're having to do. I mean, Tanner Shepard's a guy that was their middle reliever last year, is now their opening day starter because Hugh Darvish is going to start the season on the disabled list with this neck issue. And their rotation currently is Shepard's, it's Robbie Ross, it's Joe Saunders, it's Nick Martinez out of the out of the minors. Uh, they picked up Scott Baker after the after the the Mariners let him go. They have him. We've still got Colby Lewis in the fold. This and we still have Martin Perez. What kind of strikes me weird is they were willing to give Martin Perez eighteen million dollars over six years, three months ago, but they're not willing to hand him the ball on opening day because they're worried <laughs> about his emotions. I you know this. This is why I can't put Texas in the postseason. I know by the time you guys are listening to this, our Fangraphs staff predictions will be out and posted on the site. You're not going to find the Texas Rangers anywhere on my predictions for the postseason. Yeah, I don't think I have them either. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, for me, the Perez issue is a little bit more, does he have a breaker that works? Um, but, I mean, if, if, if he's got head issues too, then that, that just makes me wonder about him. The, I think... It's a, this is one of the most interesting rotations in baseball right now. And, you know, I, I've seen I've seen Keith Law say that he's not that big on Tanner Shepherds, and I can understand why, because the changeup is lagging behind. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, if I take that changeup and compare it to, say, Eovaldi, because actually I think he's very, very comparable to Eovaldi in that he's got a great sinker and he's got a great slider. Uh, I think it's actually a curve in his case, but... Let's say he's got a great sinker and he's got a great cut, uh, cutter, uh, breaking ball, and he doesn't have a great changeup. If you took, took Ch- Shepard's changeup and put it up against Eovaldi's, it's much better. So, you know, a 10% whiff rate on a changeup with like a 45, 50% ground ball rate, that's below average, mm-hmm. but it might be enough to be a show me. You know, it might be enough to be like, you know, keep lefties honest, go back door with the curveball, you know, figure it out. So, you know, I don't think. I think Shepard's – I think the, the little bit of the issue going in was whether or not he'd stay healthy enough to be a starting pitcher. Right. And, you know, now he's he's put in a, at least a healthy year in the pen, and they're willing to try it. So in terms of, like, short-term – I'm not talking about keeper league, build your, your, your roster around Tanner Shepard's. I'm saying, you know, would you would you pick this guy up as a flyer? And I would, I'm not saying mixed league yet, but I, I'm close. I mean, he has good stuff. With the two pitches he has, and the third pitch might be enough to be show me. So, if, if I'm putting Shepherds up against Pineda, I think I'll probably take Shepherds just because of the the velocity and uh, the health has been better for him than Pineda. He's not coming off a of labrum surgery, so maybe I'm bigger on Shepherds than some people. Yeah, it sounds like you. I mean. I think the Evaldi comparison is nice because the velocity is definitely there. I've seen Shepard's pitch. I saw him pitch back in the AFL when he was first out there. It was hitting 99 on the radar gun. Is that the velocity has never been his problem. It's just been the ability to you know, change speeds. But it's not, that's something you're never really asked to do out of the bullpen for him. So I my, my only reservation with him is how deep can he work into a game? I mean, this conversion to a starting pitcher just happened a couple of weeks ago. It's not like he prepared himself throughout the offseason like, I'm going to be a starting pitcher. Uh, so I would be concerned about him being able to work deep enough into a game to qualify for a win because when you don't yeah. when you don't have the effective changeup you often have trouble putting guys away they'll foul you off they'll foul you off they'll foul you off they'll work deep into account um, so we'll see where that situation goes but it, it, it's a messy situation i mean with with darvish out if you're drafting this weekend you know i paid 31 for darvish and talent whereas if, if we were drafting this weekend i don't see him going more than 25 dollars i mean you, you figure on the safe side, he's going to. This is a backdated DL stint, so he's not going to miss too much time. If they think it's okay, they don't think it's a, it's a muscle thing or anything. So, you know, he should be able to get his time in. But I would think he goes twenty five. You know, the rest of these guys are all single digit pitchers. They already were, and these are these are turn and burn options. I mean, Perez is really the only guy that I, I would feel comfortable rostering. Uh, at this point, well, you know, one thing that's interesting is um, this this rotation is so is bumming so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a that's a technical term. Um, Very technical. <laughs> I actually think Robbie Ross, the, the 75 innings uh, is low for him as a projection. Um, he he's um, he, he's 
if you if you look at it, Perez is in probably as for as many innings as he can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you Darvish is going to come in and do as many innings as he can do. Matt Harrison as many as he can do when he's healthy. So that's your three front guys. You don't know how many innings Shepherds can do, so maybe you got to four with Shepherds. And Colby Lewis has to get healthy first. So if, even if that's your fully healthy five, Robbie Ross is your sixth behind a, 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 an iffy group. Um, and I actually think that Robbie Ross might end up being the five, um, depending on you know who craps out. Matt Harrison, Colby Lewis, one of these guys. You know, even Derek Holland, the knee it was microfracture, so it might turn out to be a longer term issue. So um, I think Robbie Ross. I know that his changeup isn't good. He's a fastball slider guy with good command, uh, good velocity in the pen. It may not work out as a starting pitcher, but if you're in a really deep league and you just want innings, uh, Robbie Ross is a little bit more interesting than these projections say, I think, because it's so this, – this, I mean, Joe Saunders to me is bumming so hardcore that, you know, I uh, – I, He's horrendous. My, my brother, my youngest brother texted me. He, my youngest brother's a Rangers fan, and he sent me a text. He goes, why exactly did we sign – Joe Saunders will be low on BP pitchers. I'm like, yes, yes, that's exactly what you were. Uh, so Mike Podhorzer um, has Robbie Ross on his tout worst team for a dollar. Uh, had he been out there, you know, I'm I'm dying for starting pitching because I have four starters. One of them is now on the disabled list, and, and I've got uh, Bauer in the minors and Hellickson in the uh, Hellickson on the DL to start the season. So I've done a three starting pitchers. So you know, these are the types of guys that I may have to roster and just bite the bullet on and hope that Shields, Dar, uh, Darvish, and, I'm sorry, Shields, Sanaka, and Buckholtz can help weigh that down because I'm, I'm already three starters in the hole uh, to start the season. Uh, just as, about as bad as Texas is. Moving on to the Nationals. Uh, we got news earlier today that Doug Fister had, now has a, a lat issue, and most of the time that's, he, he left to start today with a lat issue. Uh, would almost assuredly put him on the disabled list to start the season, uh, which makes the the battle for the fifth spot between Tanner Work and Taylor Jordan uh, a non-issue because it looks like now both of them will be in the rotation. Neither of these guys are mixed league material, in my opinion. Uh, you can you know differ with me if if you think so, but let's talk NL only for a second with these guys. What do you think about both of them? Well, I, I'm more interested in Jordan than Rourke. Actually, I heard them on the TV uh, saying Roark. Uh, so it's Roark? Okay. Roark. Well, then again, people in Washington say Washington, so don't take whatever they say <laughs> pronunciation-wise. Drives me freaking nuts. My family's from Washington, and I had to untrain myself from Washington. saying Washington. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, um, I, don't, I don't see uh, a great uh, pitch in his repertoire, really. Um, he's got a Average Roark's got an average sinker, and he kind of pairs it with a mess slider, and and you know maybe the change has some promise, but he's more of a sinker baller control. You know, seems to me like a very much like a fifth starter, innings eater, around forever kind of guy. But Jordan, um, in the limited sample that we have, has actually shown twenty one percent whiff rates uh, on both his slider and change, and both of those numbers are above average to. The, not quite elite, but like not just above average. I mean, I would say those are plus numbers. Twenty-one percent is is pretty decent, and he throws them enough that it's not like he threw three pitches and got one whiff. It's you know he's and that would be bad math anyway. But um, I think he's got the repertoire to become um, mixedly relevant. It's just hard to it's hard to take an unproven guy like this who didn't have any pedigree from scouts really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're just sort of relying on on the, and he also you know his four seam gets really bad whiffs so he could be a bad fastball guy um, but I mean his sinker gets more than fifty percent whiffs it gets more than sixty percent whiffs he's got the change he's got the slider that to me is a guy who can use his fastball for ground balls his change in slider for whiffs and actually is a pretty high floor low ceiling you know investment that I would be looking at in anything deeper than fourteen leagues. Moving on to St. Louis, they named their fifth starter this week and said that Joe Kelly is their fifth starter over Carlos Martinez. A lot of people, you know, were some people were surprised by this. I don't get why they were surprised. 
because it's rather easy to see when you look at Carlos Martinez, what he really needs for his future development is to get a better approach versus lefties. These are his numbers last year. If we look at his numbers against right-handed batters, faced uh, 301 right-handed batters, held them to a 250 average, struck out 24.7% of them. Lefties, 326 average, struck out 11.8%. I mean, that the difference, 334 weighted on base average against lefties, 301 against righties. So it, those kind of splits are really tough, even for a fifth starter, really tough to carry in a rotation. I and mean, if this kid, right now they're moving him to a setup role. And Joe Kelly, while he's got the velocity, it, he doesn't really strike out a lot of guys, really hurts his fantasy value. But I can understand why the Cardinals made this move with Martinez, because for his long-term future and benefit and their benefit as a franchise, it's better if they get this kid uh, another pitch to handle lefties because that kind of splits really tough to work at with a starting pitcher role. Yeah, but now I'm, I'm really down on him long-term now too, because <clears throat> I mean, he's not going to work on the changeup when it, in the, in the bullpen, in the major league. So, and, and just look at what happened with Trevor Rosenthal. Mm-hmm. He has plus stuff across the board and he could have been a starter, but you know, put him in the in the pen for a year, and then it's like, well, we've got a great closer, and we can depend on him. And why would we screw with this? And, and never mind, you know. And uh, this is it's the one thing that I, the one reservation I have about putting guys in the pen to begin with. I'd rather, I'd actually rather they were in the minors starting at the beginning of the year. I agree. Start until August. You know, bring him up in September for reliever innings in September, mm-hmm. and that's that's you know we're still stretching him out. We're still teaching him that he wants to be a starter long term, and you know he's still starting. But in the, he'll get some major league. He'll dip his toe in the major league waters in the end of the year as a as a reliever just to sort of face some major leaguers. So you know when you do it the whole year like they do, and you know the Cardinals are really just about winning. And so, you know, they don't really need to spend too much time thinking about Carlos Martinez, you know, in the future if they've got all these arms and everything looks good and, you know, they need a setup man. So it's okay for them. Um, So I guess I just think that Carlos Martinez looks like he'll now be a closer at some point maybe or, you know, just a good reliever. And what's funny is I'm looking at Joe Kelly's numbers. He's got, uh, you know, just as a per-pitch perspective, he's got a good sinker. uh, I would say uh, just slightly below average changeup, a good slider, an average slider, and an average curve. It's an inter- interesting package. I can see how it doesn't add up to a ton of whiffs, um, but um, you know it does add up to a good amount of ground balls. And mm-hmm. I think he's one of these you know sort of high floor, low ceiling guys. Um, I would treat him as sort of an innings eater, maybe a better spot starter because of his his whip's going to be probably kind of bad. He's for some reason he just lets a lot of balls in play. I mean, we know he lets a lot of balls in play. It just They just turn into hits a lot. Yeah, ag- agreed with him. Moving on, looking at the Dodgers situation, we know Clayton Kershaw is not going to make it. Clayton Kershaw had the chance to be rather unique in that he, he would have made three starts in the opening period of, of the season because most softwares consider the the uh, Australia games as part of period one. He was set to be a two-starter pitcher this week, um, but he's not going to make the first start. It looks like he'll be fine for the second one. Maybe he just got back inflammation from uh, his long-distance flight uh, from Australia. But you look at that rotation with Kershaw, Granke, Ryu, and, and Heron as your 1-4, your set. But on the five spot, it seems like they're up in the air. There was a report today that Zellum's <laughs> still on rehab they're still trying to get everything together and um, how do you see the situation playing out uh well i mean i saw him home for one start in spring and it didn't look that great um and there's some sort of i mean he ended last year on the on the dl i think and there's some issue there and so it's kind of hard to pencil him into a lot. Then and then you have Josh Beckett who ended the year on the DL and Chad, Chad Billings who ended the year on the DL. So you've got three veterans who have have been serviceable to better in the past, and all of them have. I wouldn't put them in career threatening yet, but I mean, uh, Josh Beckett. I, I've heard people talk about you know wondering if he's really going to pitch a lot more in his career. Um, and so and, and Chad Billings was that his second Tommy John or. Yeah, I believe so, or something, second injury, uh, second major surgery that he's had to have. Yeah, so, 
There are all a lot of a lot of question marks. And Zach Lee is a, is a another one of these low low ceiling high floor guys that could be ready to go. Um, I'm I'm actually not buying any of these as much as I like the Dodgers situation. The only thing, the only one of these guys I have any shares of rostered anywhere is Chad Billingsley in a super deep deep league where I have a lot of DL spots, and I've just I've just sashed him, and um, that's just because. I feel like it's going to come down between him and Beckett um, for for the fifth starter spot. But I, I actually, I'm sorry that I don't have more to add. I, I feel like this one just may be a revolving door all year. That's what it feels like. Uh, speaking of revolving doors, the Rockies situation, their fifth starting job is coming down to Franklin Morales and Jordan Lyles. And as of uh, earlier today, that job has still not been decided. It seems rather unusual that you know both guys feature breaking balls and in that atmosphere, uh, up there, the, the course, that's going to be an issue for both guys. I think, personally, upside, I think Morales has got more upside there. Uh, you know, He's going to hurt your ratios, but if you're looking for strikeouts, that's going to be there. The other thing that, has, that can't be overlooked with the Rockies is they do want to limit the amount of pitches that their, their starters work. I remember talking to a guy a week or two ago about the Rockies, and they want they were possibly looking at an eight-man bullpen going with 13 pitchers because they want, they want to keep their pitchers on a limit and not let them burn through too much. Now, if they get in one of those um, those cores outings, they usually don't happen in April, but if they get into some issues, there could be a revolving door there. And you look at the, at the farm system with guys like Jonathan Gray and Eddie Butler going to be up at some point this season. And once they're up, they're going to stay up. Um, there's going to be some jobs lost here anyhow. So if, if Morales or Lyles gets this job, it could only be a two-month thing. Yeah, and I, and I agree that there's – there's a sort of modified six-man rotation thing going on. I bet you they um, use Ottavino as, as a kind of safety blanket for a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just a lot of injury issues there with Nicasio, De La Rosa, and Anderson. Those guys are all injury guys. In fact, this is just a real poopy rotation. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not that interested in anybody. Anderson, you know, the, the thing that supposedly is going on in, in Colorado. Shasin told me this is that the curve you think he can't throw the curveball in Colorado, right? So I think it's really interesting that Brett Anderson's pitch is called a slurve and it's somewhere between a curveball and a slider. And I just don't know how it's going to be affected by it. I guess they were willing to take a chance on it. Um, you know, we haven't projected for 140 innings, that would be a, a coup for Brett Anderson. So I, I'm looking up and down this list. The only share I have in any of these guys is Eddie Butler. Same. Uh, and I just I, I there's something I like about Eddie Butler, and there's something I like about a young guy coming into Colorado. That you know, worst comes to worst, he's good at the beginning, and then I trade him before Colorado gets to him. I just think that's a real tough place to own pitchers. It's going to be a tough thing. Uh, speaking of tough, the Mariners have their own issues with Iwakuma on the disabled list. Uh, Taiwan Walker is going to uh, be on DL to start the season. Uh, things got so bad, they gave Chris Young a major league contract today. So Chris Young is now in their rotation. Chris Young, uh, as Jeff Sullivan tweeted out earlier today, has stolen base. Uh, people that have tried to steal bases with Chris Young on the mound have uh, their 162 of 179 in his career. So if you couple, you know, just put Coco Crisp on first base, you might as well just let him have second. Just tell him to take it at this rate. It's going to be a little ugly there. But that, that fifth job right now it looks like it's going to be either Rowenis Elias or Blake Beaven. While we wait for Iwakuma and Walker to come back, it seems like Walker's going to be back first, which in that case is going to shove somebody down. But I don't want to, I don't want to touch either one of these guys. I mentioned earlier, I'm desperate for starting pitching and talent wars, but I'm not this desperate. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at Elias as, you know, one of my potential pickups in labor. Uh-oh, watch out. Everyone everyone who's listening to this, go tell the other guys. <laughs> yeah, please make them waste their fab money. I mean, to me, while you're doing that, this reminds me of Brandon Mora last year. You know, Mora, he was a surprise call-up, didn't have a lot of experience above double-A, and sucked. And I could see with, with Elias, you look at the numbers in the minor leagues, they're not terribly impressive. And he had walk issues down there. And I just, you know, to me, I again, I'm desperate for starting pitching nail only. But I, I'm not this desperate. Yeah, I, I think the main thing with him also is that it just seems really short term. I mean, I mean, Iwakuma's throwing; it's not he's not quite there yet. Walker's a little bit closer. I just think Elias is the first to go. He may be, you know, shuttled in and out, maybe a spot start in the deepest of leagues. But um, 
yeah, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend a lot of money on him. If somebody wants to outbid me, they can do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the interesting thing I think that one of the upshots of all this is that Erasmo Ramirez looks very safe. I love Erasmo Ramirez. I'm so happy about this. I'm not happy that I didn't get him in Tout Wars, but Erasmo Ramirez is somebody that uh, I, I was trumpeting late in 2012, wrote about uh, in the offseason, said go get him in 2013. Uh, did not make me look good because he got hurt in spring and was really never the same guy, but he's looked really good uh, so far. So you know his rotation spot is really safe, and he only went for $3 in AL only Tout Wars, um, which I thought was – I was rather surprised. I was mad that I didn't have $4 and that's where it, that's where he went. And then if we look at uh, the 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 mixed auction, he went two dollars in the fifteen team mixed league. So that I think there's some decent profit there, and it's worth looking into. Uh, Tampa Bay, their fifth starter job uh, has been yeah. announced, and it's Jake Odorizzi. Go ahead. I wish I with Erasmo. One thing is that um, he was up to like ninety three, ninety four in two thousand thirteen. Right. It's back down to ninety two now. Uh, that might not be a big deal because he's not throwing his fastball as much. He's throwing his slider and change more often. He could be sort of the AL Dylan G um, or better. Uh, so I, I like that. James Paxton is, is also a sure thing, and I wish I'd kept my my uh, $2 on Dallas Keuchel um, for James Paxton, but at least it looks like Keuchel made it. But we'll get to him. Uh, do tell me, please, I, I love split fingers to death. Is Jake Odorizzi throwing a split finger? Yeah, he's throwing a split changeup. Alex Cobb taught it to him. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah, so he's still in that. Uh, the split change, they call it uh, thing one and thing two. Uh, Cobbs <laughs> is thing one and uh, Odorizzi is thing two. Uh, good. It's a legit pitch. I mean, I've seen him a couple of, couple of outings of his. It's a legit swing and miss pitch now. I mean, his old change, if you go look at the, the whiff rates on the changes that he threw last year, they weren't good. Uh, but this one, this one's a legit swing and miss pitch. It's got fade to it. It's got deception. It comes out. It comes out of his hand. Uh, same arm slot as his fastball and everything. And I, I'm encouraged by it. I mean, he it's it's been fun to watch him throw with it. He needs it because he has some of the same split issues as I mentioned with uh, Carlos Martinez earlier. And this is his job for it, through at least the first third of the season. The Rays have always been one of the more conservative teams of bringing guys back from injury. It would not surprise me in the slightest to see Jeremy Hellickson not come back until middle of June. Well, you know, the only caveat with this is that his slider is still bad, and it's his, it's his primary breaker. It had a 9% whiff rate last year, and that's supposed to be 15-plus. Uh, but the, you know, the mitigating factor is that his curve looks about average, so he kind of you know, cut the slider a little bit and used the curve more often, and the split chain's legit. There's, there's something here. I mean, he can... He's a guy who can actually keep 91, 92. Um, so, I mean, mid-rotation starter is a lot more of a possibility if he's got a split change. I still don't think we're talking about, um, you know, 1-2, and especially not fancy 1-2 uh, type material. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. Unrelated to this whole discussion, uh, speaking of good curveballs, Josh Stenson with the Orioles saw him pitch last night against the Rays in relief. Impressed, impressed me with this curveball. It's more of a twelve to six over the top thing, and he really slings it around. So, looking at bullpen, honestly, I've, I've talked about how bad I hate Tommy Hunter in the back end of that pen. If that thing is wide open, I just look for Josh Denson. If I'm in a deep twelve team AL league, I don't mind having him on my roster somewhere to pick up some strikeouts because he's going to get him with that pitch. It's a legit swing and miss pitch. It throws a few of those batters. It is completely locked up, and he throws it to both sides of the plate. It's not something that's just a chaser. Uh, he'll throw it in on righties. He'll throw it away on righties. Uh, he'll backdoor it to lefties. Uh, that was an impressive right. pitch. Let me be selfish here. Um, I need I need to pick up a reliever in just that sort of league. I won't name the league. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm looking, and oh, God, I'm – this this is really terrible. I actually don't think any of those guys are listening. They're all making their own podcast. Um, would you take Pistano or Stinson? Uh, I I'll, I'll take uh, Pistano. Okay, just because he's yep. really dominant against uh, the righties. But Stinson just he impressed me when I looked at the pitch. I was like, hey, wow, look at that pitch. I'll uh, put him on the list. That was impressive. I mean, we have it's such a, a limited sample size what we have at the major league level last year. I mean, he only threw 26 of them, but he got swings and misses on, on a third of them, uh, the way through it. But he really, 
again, what impressed me is he's willing to throw it to both sides of the plate, and it's a true over-the-top curveball when it comes in. It's not one of these things that spins sideways. Uh, I love watching those. Yeah, it was impressive. He pitched in the eighth and ninth inning, if you want to go back and watch the archive. The Indians have settled in their fifth uh, job. It, It was unsurprisingly not Trevor Bauer because Trevor Bauer has, you know, still is all over the place, but it was Carlos Carrasco. Uh, and you've talked about Carlos Carrasco a few times and how you like him as a sleeper this year. Yeah. And I, and I watched the start that sort of sealed the deal for him. And, you know, I had to watch for the flaws because I don't want to, I, I try to not get too in too deep with my guys, you know, not, not to fall too far in love because if I look at just the numbers, I see 60% ground ball sinker, um, you know, a, a fast, a four seam that's not great for whiffs, but has decent velocity. And I see an above average changeup and elite fast, uh, elite slider, 26% whiffs for the slider is really great. And, uh, and, and an above average curveball. So, you know, there's something about the kitchen sink to him in that the, the four seam is not great. Uh, but the sinker is good. If he, if he just uses the sinker a little bit more than the four seam. And he finds a little bit of command. Um, I really think there's some possibilities here, especially since Cleveland is a pitcher's park, um, and you know no one's thinking about Carrasco right now. So I feel like he's a great deep league pickup right now. He's not quite a mixed league pickup. He's just too many issues with command and the fastball, but definitely a guy to to keep your name on. And it's great that he to, that he won the uh, the job. Yeah, he was one of those guys that Pod stole from me last uh, last weekend. Uh, at the end, the the Philly situation uh, looks messy. At, at the back end of the situation, we know Jonathan Pettibone was sent down. Miguel Gonzalez is a disaster. The, it looks like he's going to be a 60-day DL candidate. So the winner of the fifth job, by default, appears to be Jeff Manship, uh, who was oh, a castaway by the Twins. Castaway. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this is and this is what the what the Phillies are resulting to. I mean. Manship pitched in 11 games last year for the uh, for the Twins with a, a 7.04 ERA, a 1.60 WHIP, uh, 12.9% strikeout rate. But this is who they're going with because it's that's it. They have no other option. And you know this is a season long problem because Kyle Krenzik is supposed to be a fifth starter now he's a third starter. And he was also you know- added a curveball by the way. Well, he's just added a new pitch. That's one of the things uh, he's. He, they talked about the other day. He is uh, Kyle Kendrick is adding another. Last year he added the cutter and it got some nice results for him. And this year he is adding a breaking ball to his uh, to his bag of tricks. So he's trying to get something else. So I, I saw a story about this yesterday. And I didn't have a career this long. So <laughs> no, yeah, I never thought he was going to have a career this long. But I saw, I saw a story yesterday in a CSN Philly. It talked about um, the curveball uh, after they talked about. Ferdy Galvis's MRSA. Uh, it said Kendrick threw eight to ten curveballs. Carlos Ruiz raved about the pitch and believes he's added another weapon. Maybe he can strike out six and a half for nine. Maybe. You know, <laughs> if you're hurting for pitching an NL only, there are worse options. Uh, but tell, uh, tell people something bad about Roberto Hernandez. Oh God, I don't know if we have all night here. I'd rather I'd rather have Kyle Kendrick than Roberto Hernandez. <laughs> that, that's very succinct. How about uh, do you know anything about Pettibone and Biddle? Uh, Biddle's got a bright future, but he's not ready yet. And Pettibone's been hurt most of camp. All right, so this looks like a, a manship show. Yes, uh, <laughs> just change the P to a T, and you got what I think of him. Uh, so uh, let's go on. To, let's go on to Oakland, and with the with the issue with since AJ Griffin's still out, we don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, Jesse Chavez has got the fifth spot uh, in the rotation. Chavez and Malone are backing up the rotation now. Malone, we've always known he's a guy you start at home and you sit on the road because he's terrible. But Chavez is another one of these relievers that's now becoming a starting pitcher. What do you make of this situation? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, Billy Bean said, we were always going to make him a starter. Right. <laughs> yeah, so. Um you know, I see a guy who uh, has a has a really good curveball. Actually, eighteen percent whips is a really good curveball. Um, he has a he has a average to sh- show me to average change. It's actually a good enough that he throws it um, a decent amount. Mm-hmm. A good cutter and a sinker that works. So the fastball is terrible. The four seam is terrible, but you know he throws the sinker twice as much. I see something that could really work in Oakland. I don't know. It's definitely not a mixed league thing, but. Um, you know, in terms of 
let's say you have one of these guys that's going to be injured for the beginning of the year, but not for a long time, like a Cole Hamill situation. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, Jesse Chavez is the perfect kind of bridge to that. Where I think I don't think that the the floor is that low. I mean, you know, throw a lot of guys, throw Tommy Malone in Oakland, and it works out okay. So um, I feel like. Uh, I'm not too too worried about uh, Jesse Chavez in the short term, and I think you know, along the, those lines, Tommy Malone, it, it, it's it's one of the few parks left that you. I mean, I think Seattle even these days, it's it, you can still be a bad pitcher in Seattle, but um, I think that Oakland is one of the few parks left that really really helps pitchers. Yeah, I agree, and with with Chavez, I, I do see a little bit of upside here. He was a, a dollar pitcher and the an AL only tout. When you look at last year, he had a 22.2% strikeout rate through, uh, you know, faced 248 batters through 950 pitches. Uh, but the curveball numbers really do stand out as far as his big, you know, swing and miss weapon. And as you said, that real estate there in Oakland really allows you to make uh, more mistakes than you may make in another park. Uh, the Giants situation, uh, ugly. We, known, we've known who the fifth starter is going to be for quite some time, and it's Ryan Vogelsong. But he looks as bad in spring training as he did to close the season out last year. He just, you know, ugly numbers from the mound. But the Giants saw enough of him last year to give him a one-year deal, and they've given him this fifth spot in the rotation. What are your thoughts on Vogelsong? Yeah, I think it's a bridge situation. I think, uh, you know, I talked to Saban a little bit in um, in the winter meetings, and he spoke sort of lustfully about the – the, the, the young pitching in St. Louis and, and other places. So I think what he's trying to do is build up the young pitching. He's not going to do the the Kyle Crick type trade again in the future. Right. He's hoarding Edwin Escobar and Kyle Crick. Um, I mean, not the Kyle Crick, the uh, Zach Wheeler situation. Mm-hmm. So so I think he's hoarding Edwin Escobar and Kyle Crick. He's uh, throwing the veteran just to, to give him some time. And I think I think the most interesting, I know Yusmero Petit is there. But I think Petit is the guy who comes in if Hudson's injured or Lindsay comes right. injured. Or whatever. And I think that Escobar is the guy who comes in if Ryan Fogelsong craps out and just really isn't any help. Um, so if you're looking for some upside, I actually traded. You were in a league called the Devil's Rejects a while back. Uh, it's a 20-team league with 40-man rosters, pretty, pretty much a dynasty. And I traded for Edwin Escobar in the offseason because – after I talked to Saban, I was like, he uh, thinks Edwin Escobar is definitely part of that future. Well, when you look at when you look at uh, Vogelsong and see the strikeout rate drop six percentage points last year, and you know unless you are and he's not on the I'm adding a new pitch list, so he's bringing back the same process and expecting different results. I know he struggled a little bit through injury last year, but he was borderline successful when he was healthy. And now it's okay. Let's let's try this again. Uh, he went for a dollar in NL Towers, and uh, I think that's appropriate value for him. Uh, it's kind of like uh, just not to drag this on. I mean, we're gonna we might have to breeze through some some teams here, but just real quick, I just it reminds me reminds me a little bit of Joe Nathan in that uh, not Joe Nathan uh, Rob Nen. Rob Nen went out there in the postseason for the Giants and left everything on the table, yes. and it was never the same again. If you look at Ryan Vogelsong's velocity readings for those postseason starts, he was one to three miles an hour above his regular uh, where you normally sit. So I think he really left a lot on the table that year. He hasn't been the same since, and he was so marginal before. As you, I agree with you. So you know, I, but I I don't want to take any time away from the Orioles because I find that the starter uh, situation there to be one of the most interesting in baseball. Yeah, the the Orioles one is strange because we know that we know that Miguel Gonzalez is going to open the season as the number four starter, and you know I, I guess Bud Norris is the five. It doesn't look like I still haven't seen anything about Gossman if he what his role is going to be whether he's going to do what their Cardinals are doing with Carlos Martinez or are they going to send him down to the minors to to keep him around for the rotation but it appears it it's going to be Norris at the back end of the rotation yeah and well i think maybe a tender elbow will will fix this situation i don't know i mean i know that Norris has mentioned something about his elbow before um in this in this offseason and so we may find we may find something with injuries decides this. I mean, they, they're they one of the few uh, rotations that actually stayed healthy. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because I've been rooting for them not to stay healthy. 
because um, so, <laughs> I have some shares in Gossman. Yeah. But I think if I just look at this team, Gossman is the only guy that when I look at his stuff, I say that guy can be an ace. Yes. And I mean, Obaldo used to be an ace. I don't think he's anymore. Obaldo can be a good 2 3. Chris Dillman can be a good 2 3. Mm-hmm. Miguel Gonzalez can be a good 4 5. Wei and Chen can be a good 4 5. They're missing an ace. Gossman is 97 with the fastball, has a devastating split change, has a regular change, and has at least a show me slider. That is enough of a, an arsenal to me that he can make it happen. And he's shown better control in the past. I don't think he needs to be a big homer guy, even in Baltimore. So. I'm still holding on to shares in that Gossman. It is, it is in deeper leagues. I don't think that you can hold on to Gossman in a mixed league because if he doesn't have a job. So it's just one of those things you got to run to the wire if they just change their mind. You know, it's coming in the next couple of days, and it actually hasn't been decided. So if they say Gossman, I say pick him up in mixed leagues because in mixed leagues you want the highest upside possible. You know, you want... You want, you know, the next Danny Salazar. You want the next Sonny Gray. You want the guy who's going to come up and blow everyone away. You don't want to pick up Ian Kennedy. So I feel like if they say Kevin Gossman's a starter, go pick him up. Right. And, you know, one of the guys that I like there that I, I tend to find underrated is Miguel Gonzalez. You know, his overall numbers aren't sexy, but there was an 11-game stretch there last year uh, from May 21st to July 20th. You know, eleven game stretch. He went six and one with a two seventy four ERA, and held batting batters to a, a two nineteen average during that stretch. So for a time there, he got really hot and struck out fifty seven batters in seventy two innings, fifty eight hits allowed. Those were really sneaky good numbers for AL only, and then it, it kind of fell apart. He had a couple of bad starts that kind of. Uh, two back to backs against all of all teams, Kansas City and Houston, just you know really stuck uh, 15 runs on him in, in seven innings. And then he settled back down before having a, a late stinker against against the Yankees. But that's the guy that I look at. I mean, I, I like Tillman. I don't love Tillman as much as other people, but I like Tillman. And I like Gonzalez more than I like uh, Chan or Norris. And Jimenez is what he is. I'm really not sure what to think of him uh, in the AL East. But if, if Gossman were in this rotation – I'd pay more. If I'd pay more than any of the other four. I'd still take Tillman's experience, and I'd pay more. But if you were to tell me right now, Kevin Gossman's in this rotation, I'd pay yeah. more for him than any of the other three pitchers. It's only the risk of not being in the rotation that keeps his money down. Oh yeah. Hey, let's let's uh, let's let's cut it a little bit short here on the next three. Uh, let's let's play. Would you rather? Okay. <laughs> Would you rather? <laughs> that was hot or not? <laughs> yeah, right. Hot or not? Um. Felipe Paulino uh, looks like maybe the fifth starter in, in Chicago. I don't. I, it's either him or Rienzo. So let's throw Rienzo in there. Paulino, Rienzo, Alfredo, Simon, um, or Dustin McGowan. I would take Paulino. I have been a Paulino apologist for quite some time, uh, and that's where I'm at. You know, and I, I think that's not a bad one because if you look at the other the other guys. That are that are that I've named. Simon is probably a short term for Latos. And Absolutely. Latos was pretty close. Um, I mean, when I saw him in spring training, he said his 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 arm felt good and his knee felt good, and he was he was popping mitts at the at the spring training facility when I saw him. So there was talk then that he would just be the fifth star and they'd skip him once. Um, I guess things have changed a little bit since then, but. I think that uh, I think that Latos will be back, and Simon will just be the spot starter. Dustin McGowan is uh, has an elbow made of string cheese, so I feel like that's I don't know what's going to happen there. And I'm still most interested in Marcus Stroman, although Todd Redman has something of interest to me. He's projected to give up 1.7 homers per nine, by the way. Yes, yeah, Todd. He's he's already been sent down. He's a swing man. I mean, we know. Uh, Marcus Stroman, I think, has the most upside uh, of the they're pitchers waiting, there. They're waiting for him to just dominate in a couple starts in the minor leagues, I think. I, I mean, when I saw him in the AFL, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was three, four pitches. Everything looked good. There was life, control, everything he needed. I mean, I know he's small, but I don't know why he suddenly gave up so many homers in the spring. And everybody in the Toronto media is telling me, oh, he's not ready. I'm telling, telling you, man. What do you mean he's not ready? He had a bad spring. That's what you're saying. Because when I look at his pitches, he's commanding them. 
he can, he can put them in the right places. What do you mean that? What that's ready? He's he's pitched like a hundred plus innings above Double A. Here's the thing about not being ready in spring training. The dirty little secret about Florida on the West Coast, especially Dunedin, the wind's always blowing out at that home ballpark because it's right on the coast. There was a you know. And same thing at Yankee Stadium. The winds in, in Tampa tend to blow west to east in that area, so that's going to happen with him. That ballpark is a quarter mile from the coast. There's not a lot of wind break there, so stuff does blow out. And I did watch a couple of his starts, and as a short guy, sometimes, you know, if he didn't get his extension right, he would leave the ball up, but it would get crushed, but that kind of stuff happens. But, you know, no, there's there's no way you could say, you know, you could, we saw him in the FL together. That guy was ready for the major leagues. You know, if Jason Bartlett can get a spring training job going one for 51 for the Twins, then, you know, Stroman deserves a job here. I was, even though he's not, you know, they want to say he's not ready, whatever, he's going to be in this rotation sooner than later. So I'm not terribly worried about it. I think that, you know, the best fifth starter news that we got this week is Jordano Ventura is the fifth starter for the Royals. You could argue he's probably the second starter because Vargas, Guthrie, and, and Chen really don't offer too much excitement. But there is a ton of helium in uh, Ventura, and you and I seem to be the only ones holding needles trying to pop that bloom. Yeah, man, I get, I'm get i getting yelled at and uh, on Twitter a little bit, just saying I don't know about him. You have I'm going to let you say your piece about him. Mine's a little bit different. When I see that curveball coming out, I see it a mile away. I just see, I see the, I'm not sure, I think the arm's a little bit slower. It pops out the top. He doesn't throw a lot of high fastballs. He throws enough to maybe hide it, but it's so slow. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, let me look at the, the the number on that. It's 82 miles an hour. He throws his four seam 98. You know, if you're a hitter, you, you just have to wait a half, a mil, like a quarter of a second, and then you know it's the curveball. You know what I mean? Right. There's no reason to swing at it. And yes, when people swing at it, they have a hard time hitting it because they have to gear up for 95. And so the whiffs look okay. But, you know, the changeup whiffs are below average. He doesn't, th- and if you look at all his pitches, he throws the four seams so often. And then all these other pitches, you know, 20, 30, 40. He just doesn't throw these guys. He doesn't trust his off speed stuff. And there's a reason he doesn't trust his off speed stuff because I think you can see it coming a mile away. There's something missing there for me. It's not Danny Salazar where, you know, the ball comes out, it's either 98 or it drops off the table, mm-hmm. that thing splitter, or it's a decent slider. It's not Danny Salazar. Jonathan Ventura is not Danny Salazar. Right. I mean, for me, when I watched him pitch, it's a mechanical issue. You go back and watch the game on March 17th. When I talked to a mechanics guy, uh, he told me it looks as though his th- – I'm reading his quote to me. It looks as if his throwing arm is almost – attached to a rubber band during his follow-through and the spinning hind leg on the follow-through adds to the perceived violence he, he he said he's watched him a few times in the past and he's encouraged by the his some improvements but if he continues this way with his delivery he's going to end up in the bullpen and it has nothing to do with the size it's just this this little leg whip at the end and and the whip of his arm rather than following through and pronating that's that's not a good thing, and that's why I don't like it. Mechanically, I when I watched him, I'm like, how is this going to hold up? You know, wh- why are we letting a guy whip his arm like this and not finish finish his delivery? So that's my concern for him. But you know, th- there's little concern in the in the industry where he's going because I want to say, uh, you know, in Tout Wars, he went, um, he ended up going. Uh, I want to say nine dollars in. Um, yeah, nine dollars in ale and six in the mixed is where he went. So people are, are definitely excited about that. Uh, I, have, I I will admit I have like three shares of him, but I have them all in dynasty leagues where I bought them last year. Right. And I bought them last year because I saw the velocity and say, hey, you know, I'll buy some velocity. I'll buy a share in this velocity. And I kept I kept him at three four dollar prices, and I'm happy about that. But now that he's you know, going in mixed leagues and he's, you know, I'm actually looking to sell him in a lot of my leagues because I'm not, I'm not sure about it. the one thing that I, that, that worries me about what you're saying is that, um, you know, I, and I'm glad you said it's not just his height because Scott Casimir was supposed to be a problem because of his height and it worked out for a while, you know, and it's like, that's why with Marcus Stroman, I think I'm not going to worry about it now. I'm not a team where I need to own him for seven years. 
I'm I'm a I'm a fantasy team. I can I can own them for two three years. I can own them for one year and then sell them. So if a guy looks like he might be good in the short term, and and maybe the long term issues, then then I'm okay buying him. So even the even some of the things you're saying about will he end up with a bullpen long term, but I mean just combine combine that with the per pitch numbers that don't paint a great picture of his breaking stuff, and then combine that with my friend Jeff Zimmerman says. You know, what was the last time that the the Royals developed a good starting pitcher? Yeah, true. And just think about the type of people that come through and what happens to them and what kind of breakers they throw and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, there's something I want to look into this year for the front of fan graphs is whether or not teams are, are better at producing pitchers and hitters and, you know, whether or not they have that sort of MO. But um in any case, I think there's enough question marks of Ventura. It's not the kind of guy that I would trade for. It's the kind of guy I would pick up. I would pick him up in mixed leagues. I would put him as the last pitcher on my bench because it's obvious upside. But would I trade for him or would I spend for him? I don't know. It would be an interesting situation. Looking at the the Cubs briefly, you know, they thought Chris Russell was going to be their fifth guy. Chris Russell went out today and just completely crapped the bed. Uh, nine runs and two and a third, including four home runs. So Carlos Villa and the Wave might get it, but both of these guys are going to be placeholders because that job is Jake Arrieta as soon as he gets his arm strength built uh, built back up. And with the with the Angels, Hector Santiago and Tyler Skaggs, they haven't really decided who's the four, or who's the five. Uh, I like both of these guys. The, the, all all five pitchers in the Angels were drafted in AL Towers during the auction phase of the draft. And I think Santiago's got some some decent upside, uh, if even if he's the five. And same thing with Skaggs uh, with strikeouts, walks ratios may be a problem, but I think the strikeouts are going to be there. And, and this is this is the team that I picked to win the AL West. So I think some wins are going to be there for these guys. You know, I think I picked them for the wild card or something, but yeah. Um, I, I, I like them, especially for pitching. It's a good pitching park. Tyler Skaggs sitting 93. I think he's definitely going to beat that 7.8 uh, K9 that he's projected for on our site with Steamer. I, you know, Steamer uses velocity numbers. They're going to use last year's velocity numbers. They're not going to use improved velocity numbers. Right. Um, I do think that the, the walk rate is going to be high. Maybe the homer rate away from home is going to be high. He's not a no-doubt mixed league guy, but Tyler Skaggs is, if you can't get your down over Tyler Skaggs is a name I would put on that mixed league, you know, last pitcher on your bench, I'm playing for upside guy. Uh, Hector Santiago is a little bit more of a, a safety play. And and look, there's Jose Alvarez. Uh, we spotted him. So he got traded to the Angels for somebody. Uh, I forget who. So, But uh, moving on to the Pirates. Um, Yuck. We have... <laughs> Yuck. We have Forever broken Edinson Volquez. Uh, we have the now broken Jeff Locke. Uh, oh, oh, this is really interesting. Vance Worley is now on the Pirates. And we know that Vance Worley is the king of the called strike. And we know that Vance Worley fell apart when he left a good framer. And he went to a bad framer. And we know that the Pirates have a good framer. Well, they have two good framers as soon as Chris Stewart gets healthy again. Right, so they have two good framers. So the, you know, everyone is wondering. We were talking earlier. Would what would Edison Volquez's walk rate look like? Well, you know what? Actually, maybe he can't be fixed because he's a crazy walk rate guy, and it's really far. But Vance Worley just needs a few called strikes to make his package work. So of all those names, I'm actually when this is over, I'm gonna go. And see if he's available in Devil's Rejects and pick up Vance Worley. After the way he looked this spring, I'm sure he's available. Uh, same thing with the Braves situation. Their fifth starter, it may be Adam uh, Aaron Harang, who they picked up once Cleveland let him go. And Harang seems like he's pitched, pitched for a different team each of the past seven or eight seasons. But that looks like that's where that situation is as they wait for Mike Miner and Gavin Floyd to come back. And this seems to be a short-term thing because both of those guys are expected to back by the end of this month. So Aaron Horan could make three or four starts and be gone. Uh, you know, he seems like DFA material or even the bullpen, and they'll send David Hale back down to the minor leagues. In uh, Arizona, they've already sent down Archie Bradley. That was the right move. Archie Bradley is still needs to work on his fastball. Command yeah. Randall Delgado, who's out of options, has that job. Uh, Delgado has some, he's clearly not flawless. You could do worse 
I'll, I take him over the uh, the Pittsburgh fifth starter situation, but there's not too much upside there. Where I think the upside is is with Marco with not with Marco Estrada, but Willie Peralta as the fifth starter. Either he or Estrada. We talked about them in the uh, the Milwaukee team preview. Both of these guys have a lot of fantasy upside. I've seen Estrada go ten dollars. I saw him. I think he went for ten bucks in NL uh, Tout Wars this past weekend. It's like wow, cool. And I, I think uh, Peralta went five or six, but I think. You know, either one of those guys, whoever ends up being the fifth, has got some of the best upside for a fifth starter of all the guys we've talked about so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't even going to really include them because I think of them both as a little bit better than the crowd that we've talked about. I'm not sure Peralta with the lower strikeout rate and the higher walk rate is mm-hmm. necessarily mixed league material, but Estrada for me is definitely mixed league material. He's actually kind of a sleeper. Uh, great control, great breaking pitches, great you know, great change. Just a really good package, other than his fastball, spotty fastball command. You know, sometimes or just a, a bad fastball velocity leads to some homers. But you know, Randall Delgado is a little bit interesting in that he's got a great changeup. Twenty-one percent whiffs is a great changeup. Fifty um, percent ground balls. He's got a great sinker uh, or a decent sinker. So. Sinker change is a, is not a, is a rare package because the sinker has one platoon split and the change has another, um, but the sinker is harder and the change is soft. So you really you'd rather his curve was better than it is. So if, if you see any improvement from his curveball, Delgado becomes a little bit more interesting. Um, but you know, let's play the would you rather to, to to blow through some guys here. How about Robbie Erlin or uh, Kyle Gibson? Robbie Earlier and Kyle Gibson. I like Kyle Gibson. I'm a, I'm a Gibson apologist. I really liked what we saw from him uh, when we saw him pitch in AFL. Uh, this was post-injury. Uh, I liked him a lot pre-injury, and that's that's the guy that I'd like uh, of those three, even if you look at Tom Calder with the Marlins, if we look at the fifth starting situation there. Yeah, and the nice thing about uh, Gibson that is, is not off-reported is that his slider's great, and we all know about that, but his changeup is is actually average, so... Um, I actually think Gibson, I'm not sure he'll be mixed league worthy, but everyone's talking about Phil Hughes. If you look at Phil Hughes's per pitch numbers, they're pretty terrible. Uh, and he's now going back to the curve. He went to the curve or the slide or the slide or the curve. I don't care. I'm actually not interested in Phil Hughes. I know that he has these home away splits and the homer rate, and he's going to uh, to target field. But in terms of, you know, homer rates can't save everybody. I mean, you know, nice parks can't save everybody, and it's not – Minnesota is is Oakland for the first couple of months, maybe for the first month, but it's not Oakland all year. Um, so I feel like, you know, Phil Hughes might be fool's gold in the beginning of the season. By the end of the season, I don't know about it. Um, I'd rather have Cal Gibson, who has young man stuff, has young man velocity, and has two pitches that break in different directions that I think are better than than most of the pitches Phil Hughes has. Yeah, agreed. And we we finish off with uh, the Mets situation, which we're still waiting to hear if it's going to be Dice K, Matsuzaka, or, or Henry Mejia. From well, a we talent perspective, it should be a no-brainer, right? We talked about that last week. Yes. We don't need to go into last, actually the last podcast. Let's finish, uh, actually, because I think there was news in there the was, Astros. There was. There was. It's not going to be Brad Peacock, so suck it, Podhorser. Uh, it is uh, made it, didn't he? Dallas Keuchel is your Keuchel. fifth starter for the Astros. And that, that's my labor. That's my labor pitcher right there, baby. There's your two dollars. So you win, Podhorser. You can now trade me. Uh, you can now trade me, Brad Peacock. Uh, so that's how that situation <laughs> Wait, uh, worked out. I don't have five though, because in our projections, Keuchel is the fourth starter. So uh, it's Oberholzer, Kozart, Keuchel, and who? Uh, Harrell and Feldman. Feldman opening okay. day. Harrell made it. Yes. I, I Jerome Williams is in the pen. Peacock's in the pen. Uh, I actually think that uh, I'm more interested in what Koiko will do this year than Williams. Uh, I think Williams is a stopgap, uh, filler guy. You know, we saw what he could do in a, in a pitcher's park. Right. In, in Anaheim. And now he's in a hitter's park. Uh, you know, Keiko, let me just pull this up. He, he scrapped his iffy curveball for a slider. And, um, and so now... What he's got is a slider with a 21% whiff rate. Uh, that's not elite elite, but it's good. Change up with a 15% whiff rate. That's uh, that's uh, average. Mm-hmm. So he's got he's got guys breaking in both directions. The cutter is good. Uh, the sinker gets 
70% ground balls. That's all I need. I, I can stop talking now. Even though the fast, the four seam is terrible, he can stop throwing it for all I care. Uh, because he's got sinker, change, slider, cutter. That's, that's a really, that's actually a really good, uh, and, and it's enough of a, a whiff of a new pitcher about him that I'm, I'm willing to just not really look at what he's done in the past. So I'm not saying mixed league. I'm not saying mixed league at all. Oh, God, no. I'm, oh, God, no. But what I am saying <laughs> is um, pick him up in your deep leagues because you never know what will happen. Exactly. All right, that's it for the uh, the fifth starter review as we hit all 30 teams and their battles. Uh, the next recording date's to be determined. We got some good feedback. People would love to have a weekend show, so we'll we'll see what we can do, try to work things out. I know Eno's got some out of out of uh, continental U.S. travel coming up, so that's going to be an issue uh, to work around. But any final thoughts for the listeners? No, uh, I love you guys to death. The, the, the chat on, on Thursday was amazing. And uh, I know that some of you like my ums, but I'm going to try to cut down on the ums. And, <laughs> and, and, and some of you like my yes, but uh, hopefully I did okay on that one. And uh, I'll raise my glass of Lagunitas sucks to all of you guys because uh, we finally talked about every fifth starter out there. Yeah, find another podcast that's going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.